Welcome to Law & More, the podcast from award-winning Hong Kong law firm Bose Cohen & Collins that explores issues in the legal world and beyond. Our guest in this episode is Professor Fu Hualing, Dean of the Faculty of Law at the University of Hong Kong. Hualing reflects on his academic journey from mainland China to Hong Kong via years of study and research in Canada and talks about the responsibilities and challenges of his role at HKU. He speaks with our senior partner, Colin Cohen. Stay tuned. Waling, it's a privilege and an honor to welcome you to Law & More. Always ask our guests, the first question I ask everyone is, what's been keeping you busy recently? Well, I spent most of the time dealing with student matters in recent days. We have 2,000 plus students. There are always issues that come to my desk and I have to deal with them. And of course, just for our listeners, you are the Dean of the Law Faculty at Hong Kong University. Just to remind our listeners, I was a lecturer between 1983 and 1988, and I lectured on the PCLL. In my time, we had 90 students on the PCLL, and maybe in the whole faculty overall, it was probably about 200, 300 at that time, but it was growing as well. So before I get on to your distinguished career, academic career, Tell us a little bit about your background, your upbringing, obviously in China, and how you ended up here in Hong Kong. Right. I came from a very small place in Hunan province, a place probably you couldn't find it on the map. I grew up in a countryside, and I went to law school in China when China opened for higher education. I spent a four-year program. I stayed in the same law school, sort of there as a as a TA, then I went to Canada to study. Let me sort of ask a little bit further. What made you, you're in a small place, what made you look go into the law? What was your interest? Honestly, I was too young to understand what law was about. So basically, the choices were limited, right? You the space, you apply. Law was uh, my number four, number five choice. We are not to make five choices. So I didn't know anything what the law is about. My family didn't know anything what it was about, especially the point is you go to a university to study, regardless of what you will be studying. It's a secondary issue. Did you ever practice law in China? I did a little bit. After I graduated from law school, there was a law firm attached to the law school. So I practiced a tiny little bit in criminal law. What took you then into Canada? What made you leave China and go to Canada? It was fashionable for a law graduate back then to study overseas, right? Mostly on scholarship. So the university sent out the information. Each year there were one or two opportunities you apply. You pass the English test. It's really ranked according to your ability to pass TOEFL. Went to Canada. You distinguished yourself in the Doctor of Jurisprudence, Osgoode Hall, that's University of Toronto, and 1993. Did you enjoy Canada and Toronto at that time? Very much. Yes, uh, I missed a cold Christmas and stayed there for seven, uh, eight years. I did my master's degree in criminology and then decided to stay in Canada for another degree. So I went to Oscott Hall, did my doctorate degree. I'm fascinated because a lot of my work is complex commercial crime and I was always interested in that area. Your interest in getting into criminology, was there anything in particular? 
Yeah, I'm a crime person. I mean, uh, when I started, I, I'm interested in crime, psychology, taught criminal law when I first uh, arrived in Hong Kong. Then uh, Article 23 of the Basic Law became the issue. So from that point onward, it's, it's national security, anti-terrorism, uh, and so on and so forth. It's a very, very interesting area. What? actually made you come to Hong Kong. 1997 was the handover area. That's when you arrived in Hong Kong as a lecturer at Hong Kong U. I asked them to the City University Law School, right? So I finished my degrees in Canada. I was struggling what I should do with my life, either to be a lawyer in Canada or doing something else. So at that point, I saw the call for application from the City University Law school. I think at that time they are setting up the second law school to prepare for the transition. So I sent in my CV. I'm a little bit tired to be a student in Canada. And then within a week or two, basically they said, we're going to have an interview with you. And then they sent me the offer. It's just an offer that I couldn't resist. Hong Kong, you took you. Right. After four years, so that the city of tradition. As many of us would join Hong Kong U after a few years. And when you started off in Hong Kong U, what subjects did you teach? I taught criminology, actually. That's the first course I taught at Hong Kong U. I taught a little bit on criminal law and an introduction to Chinese law. Do you enjoy yourself in those early days? Very much, yes. Uh, people were very kind. People I enjoyed working with. When I was there teaching, it was a nice place to work because was congenial, people talked things. We were lucky because the students were very few, so we could recognize all their names. When you got class of 300, it is much more difficult. So you enjoyed yourself, and then you worked your way up. You became head of the law department for, for a few years, or, or three years, in 2008. How did that come about? In the faculty, we had this tradition, a person who is promoted to professorship would have to serve administratively. So I stepped up. Then Johannes was the dean, and basically I tried to hide behind him. He was very kind and helpful. So you were also associate dean between 2014 to 2019. Johannes was the dean for part of that time before Michael Hoare became the dean, if my memory is correct. No, I think I became associate dean under Michael. Michael under Michael. Hall, oh, right. Michael, yeah. But he was dean when you were head of the law department. Yes. How much of your time is spent doing administration and how much of it is spent teaching and writing? Well, right. Good question. So we have three components for every faculty member. We all have to contribute to the management of the faculty. So as head of department, I taught one or two courses. I have to publish important aspects of academic life. I recollect when I was lecturing, I was on the PCLL department. And because we were the PCLL teaching on the professional course, we were meant to be one-third teaching, one-third administration, one-third research. But for the research and publications when you're on the PCLL got pushed on one side because we were doing far, far more teaching on the teaching hours as well. Yeah. I presume that's still quite similar or not. I think for the PCL, remains the same. On the law side, things has changed a, a lot. So we are pushed to publish more high-quality journals, and we have reduced the teaching load for colleagues in the law department. The post of dean 
originally it's always been interesting as to whether the dean is elected by the staff members or whether appointed by the vice chancellor. What was the position now? It's a consulted appointed by the council at the recommendation of the vice chancellor and the president. So I remember very much working very closely with Michael Hoare. This really is because our firm and the university have a very good connection, both Colin Collins and the Hong Kong U criminal law lecture speakers each year to enhance the relationship between the university and the profession. And then when you became dean, it was very good to see you participating and taking over. How do you position your role as a dean and with the profession? Well, we are a professional school. That is our identity. We are part of the Hong Kong legal community. Of course, we are an academic institution, but at the end of the day, we are a professional school. What is unique about small jurisdictions like Hong Kong and, and Singapore, for, for that matter, is that we don't have that many law schools. So Hong Kong U has this historical responsibility to train the vast majority of lawyers, and they will become judges and prosecutors. So it's very important and far more important in Hong Kong than anywhere else that we have this professional responsibility to train good lawyers and uh, eventually prosecutors and judges. Perhaps for our listeners, could you explain what your role dean is in Hong Kong U? It may be different from the deans in other universities, but for your role as dean here in Hong Kong. Right. So, well, quite different if we compare with, say, U.S. law schools. We don't really have a heavy responsibility for well, public university well-funded by the government. So the, my job as dean is the liaison with the university central administration, communicate with the provost, the president, and the management of the faculty. Currently, that two major responsibilities. One is to faculty. The second is to manage the students, provide high-quality education and good communication with the students. Obviously, having regard to what has happened over the past few years in 2018, 19, 19. and then with the pandemic, yeah. Has that made life a little bit more difficult to recruit the top academics that come to Hong Kong? Yes, it has been a challenging exercise. We are doing reasonably well. Part of the difficulty is travel, right? People who start their career would want to know what Hong Kong looks like. In the past three years, it was not possible for them to have any site visit. So we are basically delaying the hiring process. So once the border opens, potential candidates would have the opportunity to come to Hong Kong to look at the places, the buildings, students, and the quarters, and then make their decisions. Of course, I mean, Hong Kong U Law Faculty does have a good reputation worldwide. It's high up in the standings of law schools, and it's always maintained that level. I presume one of your tasks is to maintain those high, high standards. Yes, there are two ways to think about that. One is, of course, their rankings, right? Not that important, but then also they are the benchmarks. There are communities, parents, students would, would look at ranking when they make their decisions. So we have to make sure that we, we stay where we are in our ranking. We are around 20 uh, globally. So we're quite happy about that. 20 globally compared to all the other law schools. Eminent law schools in Oxford, Cambridge, UK, 
Australia, the USA. The US, I mean, yes. That's a very high rank. So, so that has been quite consistent. And, and the second, of course, is we provide high quality teaching and learning experiences for students. That is also very important. That is a bit invisible, but then the experience of students, of course, is quite important to us. Attracting good students to go and apply to do law, the statistics are quite clear. Obviously, during 2018-19 of the Troubles, there was a decline in people wanting to do law. But I understand from my sources, which are very reliable sources, my friends, that that has increased now. People are back saying, yes, they want to come back and do law. How did you encourage that? Because it were difficult times for the university. You can't hide away from that. Right. In 2019-20, we did experience some difficulties. There are lots of reasons, right? One is the size of high school students. The number has declined. It's a matter of demography. Uh, and the second, there are more students who are willing to study law outside of Hong Kong and the UK in particular. What we have done is we reach out to schools, right? Try to persuade students to join us. We develop very good outreach program. We have excellent open days. Through the efforts of the admissions team, we, we are able to attract our students back to Hong Kong U. We did quite well last year in particular. The area which I'm very interested in is obviously the PCLL. Now, for our listeners, that is the Postgraduate Certificate in Laws. Here in Hong Kong, to become a lawyer, you do your four years. Then to practice, you do the professional exam as, as well. And there's the PCLL courses are run by the three institutions. The problem which has been facing everyone is that a lot of Hong Kong students go overseas to do their law degree because either they could not get into Hong Kong U or they just wanted to go there. And when, when they come back here to find a place on the PCLL has never been that easy because there's certain government numbers because the government funds it. And therefore, the Law Society taking the views there should be the opportunity for everyone to do a professional exams, perhaps set up their own a, a course which they can go on. Now, what is your answer to ensure that, let's say, if a student wants to come back to Hong Kong and get professional training, the answer is we'll have more people, more spaces at the institution doing the course. Well, the, the university's answer to it is uh, we have the capacity to expand the PCL program. Given the history of PCL in Hong Kong, our position has always been that we can work with the law society very closely. As a matter of fact, there are qualified students who want to be lawyer, but for one reason or another, couldn't get into the PCL program. I mean, we couldn't look into our program very seriously, closely. We have capacity so our presentation has always been there's no need for the law society to create an additional program. I have to say this, from my experience, I've been an honorary lecturer at Hong Kong U for many years. I seem to get appointed. I might be doing something right to get appointed every three years. I'm an external examiner. I've been to the meetings there. I have seen a considerable improvement in the quality of the PCLL courses and the hard work done by the teachers not only at Hong Kong U, but with the other universities, it's a far more intricate course to give them a good grounding to become good lawyers. So if I'm going to recruit trainee solicitors, there's two things I look at. is A, their first degrees, where they've done their degrees, Hong Kong U, which I, I like, all the other universities. And then I look at the quality of the PCLL and what they've done. 
And if that's going to be another course, I'm going to have to think very carefully to make sure the alternative way into the profession does offer the proper training. So I do take your point. All right. I think the university does a very good job to the young graduates. In Hong Kong, for example, the vast majority of the law firms would not be able to offer solid trainings as we do. So I think it will, it will be to the benefit of Hong Kong's legal system and the Nigerian legal community if the university could maintain the program and continue to train uh, lawyers after they graduate from law school. Moving a little away from that discussion, I'm amazed as to the amount of research books churn out, and especially recently, human rights lawing in China, implications for political and legal reform, you're writing on the national security law, you're publishing all the time. Do you get any sleep? Well, we do have a 24 hours uh, every day. It's a collective research. What I do is I love to gather a team of people, share the research experience and write together. So, you know, it's, it's fun. Professor Michael Hall and yourself are doing this on national security law, which I'm interested in. Uh, that must be a really interesting topic. When the national security law was promulgated a couple of years ago, we start to look into it. It's new, it's challenging, and we start to have seminars. After two years, we produce the book. And help to your students? Do they all have to do the course? It's used as a textbook for students who, who are interested in that matter. Another area I'm interested in is that disruption caused by COVID-19. And that had a huge impact, I think, upon the teaching and the university, in particular the students. As being an external examiner, I think I mentioned at one of the meetings, because for one year or two years, everything was online, I felt the results were slightly not as good as they were. And in particular, more students who needed help, who needed a face-to-face contact, they suffered much more than the very bright students as well. I believe everything is opening up. You're coming back to normality. Yeah, we are turning the pages, so to speak. So I was joking this year at the opening day that we have double admissions, year one and year three. They came back to campus for the first time. So they're quite excited. We have done our first in-person only conference. Our visiting professors are coming back. So so we're quite excited about that and looking forward to the uh, future. Uh, part of my job as external examiner is to go up and monitor. I do that. Yes. And the face-to-face tutorials, in my view, are the most important way to get the students talking, thinking, and getting them into analytical minds to work and to know how to become lawyers. And also with our law lecture between our firms and the university, last one with Ken McDonald, and it was well attended, but it was great to have the Chief Justice all in person at the university, everyone there, and it was full up. All seats were taken. And, and it's a me, full house, yes. And that was good. I really felt that was tremendous for both everybody. University life is coming back to what it was. Challenges for the future, for your future as dean, where do you see those going for your position? Well, on the agenda is now we are back to face-to-face teaching. There's danger that we missed in-person teaching so much that we're ready to abandon some of the good things of Zoom teaching. So I want to keep part of it going forward. Right? It has its own beauty. Right? Uh, so I, I hope we don't just abandon Zoom entirely. We continue to reach out to invite people back to Hong Kong to look at 
what we do, because it's important, a small jurisdiction, if we don't maintain external contact, people will start to forget us. We are part of the larger common or universe. We cannot run away from that. And of course, one of your main experiences is your considerable experience of law schools in the mainland, in particular the area with the Greater Bay Area and how Hong Kong U is going to work with mainland universities, exchange of students. Is that something which you're busy promoting? It's really part of our strength at Hong Kong U. It's a very close partnership with uh, law schools in the mainland, in Beijing and Shanghai in particular. Unfortunately, we have to stop those exchange programs in the past three years due to COVID. Uh, good news is uh, we're going back to Shanghai, I think, next year. We just received first invitation in three years. that We have a winter school in Shanghai. We send about 40 students, spend two weeks. And we have a summer school also in Shanghai to study Chinese law taught in Chinese by, by mainland professors. So students are very excited about that. So the opportunity to go back to the mainland to experience the Chinese legal system in person firsthand. Of course, the Greater Bay is a bigger concept. We've been talking about that a lot, but then due to COVID, we haven't been able to do that much. I always ask all my guests this. Hong Kong is famous for its resilience. The rule of law is still there, despite all the tensions that we're having. How do you feel things moving forward for your views of Hong Kong? Well, rule of law is in our DNA, right? The rights, the freedom under law, judicial independence. Uh, that gives students the confidence, the hope to come to law school, study law. Always the question from parents and students, right? What's the future to study law? I always tell them there's a bright future. Think about the potential in Greater Bay, the need for talented lawyers, Hong Kong being the international center, law is a central piece of everything. So I think that it's important for us to craft the message and send out the message effectively in Hong Kong and outside of Hong Kong. Finally, your plans for the future. You've been in Hong Kong a long time, not as long as I have but a very, very long time. Planning to stay? I always stay in Hong Kong. I'm reaching my retirement age in the next few years, but Hong Kong is such a beautiful place. Uh, I will definitely stay in Hong Kong. Hualing, privilege. Thank you so much for joining us on Law & More. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Law & More, brought to you by Bose Cohen & Collins. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. For more legal opinion, news and updates, please visit bosecoencollins.com or you can find us on social media. Thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on our next episode.